Hey folks, welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and this week I have Jeff Chan from the YouTube channel MMA Shredded. Jeff is a former Muay Thai champion and now an active uh, one FC fighter. He recently uh, got signed by one FC, and he's just, in my opinion, someone who's paving the way for a lot of these up and coming fighters in the sense that you have to build an audience. Nowadays, being something in an industry is unfortunately not enough. It doesn't matter if you're a model, if you're and you're going to casting, or if you're a fighter, or if you are an actor or in the tech scene, whatever your industry, it helps to build an audience. It helps to build a following. It helps to teach your knowledge of the specifics to other people and get them engaged. And once you are ready to go to the next level, you know, you will have the backing of those people and the people that are that are going to sign you or going to hire you or going to work with you. They'll see that, you know, you have this platform and you can reach a lot of people. And, you know, I think that's something that's very useful and he does it very well. Uh, he set up his YouTube channel, I think a little over three years ago. And he's already has over, if I'm not mistaken, 200,000 followers and over 100,000 on Instagram. So he did a very good job of uh, leveraging that into a, you know, fruitful career. So he calls himself a content creator first, which, you know, I, I think that's amazing that he's really true to his craft and to what he does. And, you know, it takes a lot of time. It's not easy coming up with new things all the time and, and shooting and editing and voiceover. It's, it's work. It's not just sitting and making a little clip on um, on the computer, which I don't know if, I don't know if anybody still thinks that, but I'm sure maybe some of the older generation or people that don't really do any content creating might think, but it's a, it's a lot of work. And it's a, like I said, it's a great way to leverage yourself. So Jeff is right now in Ottawa on lockdown, like the rest of the world. We talk a little bit about how that might impact the sport, impact him. Uh, you can't really train right now, at least with other people. I mean, you can do a lot of, you know, home training, but you can't really do anything outside of that. So that's something that I think him, a lot of other fighters, they have to take into account, you know, what the future will be. I don't know what the sports world is going to look like for the next year or two, um, at least as far as venues selling out and people congregating in arenas to watch an event. Uh, I just don't know if that's something that's going to happen, but I guess we'll we'll see how the next few months or years play out. And maybe there are new avenues that the, uh, you know, that sports industries can, uh, can approach. Maybe VR sets that make us all feel like we're there. I have no idea. We'll see, you know, if 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 tech and sports somehow converge and, and find a way for us to experience it without actually being there. Although, you know, for my money, there's nothing like going once in a while to, to a real event and, and enjoying it. But if you really want to see it well, like I've been to a few UFC events, you don't really... It's an experience, an atmosphere, certainly, but you don't really see 
as well. I don't care if you're really close or really high up. You're just not going to see as well and hear the commentary as well, obviously, if you're not watching it on, uh, you know, on your large screen TV. So there's um, there's two aspects. For the most part, I'm assuming people watch it on their TV and then once in a while indulge in a, in a big fight when it's, uh, you know, in their neck of the woods. A lot to discuss. Um, but yeah, we talk about mainly about his fights him himself and, and the content that he's creating. And yeah, just overall, one of the nicest guys I've had a chance to talk to in a while. And I just had a lot of fun. He said it was his first podcast, which, uh, you know, I'm sure there are going to be many, many more in the future. Also, guys, I appreciate the growing support. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast. It really helps. And, uh, you know, it's growing every week. So I really appreciate you new guys that are coming on and listening. It really helps. And yeah, I won't take up too much of your time in this intro because I know you guys really want to listen to the main podcast with Jeff. So without further ado, here is Jeff Chan. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I've been a fan for a while and I'm happy to have you on. Thanks for having me because it's actually my first podcast ever, so we'll make it special. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. You were telling me before. I'm uh, like I said, I'm I'm excited to to have you on, and uh, it's also, I mean, I've I've I'm relatively new at this. I think this would be my uh, either eleventh or twelfth. So we're both newbies. So we're exploring well, it together. I heard, I heard your first podcast that you sent over, and that was a, a really good one. I really enjoyed listening to it with uh, with John. Yes. Yeah, yeah. UFC commentator. Yeah, he's amazing, man. He's he's such a fun guy to have, and uh, you know he 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 does this for a living. He just fills up you know dead time and um, mm-hmm. with just talking. So he was a real fun to have on. True. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, maybe if you can tell uh, you know the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. Um. Okay. So I would say I am a content creator slash influencer and a professional MMA fighter. Uh, I would say my main um, priority would be content creating, but that has kind of led me to come out of retired fighting and go back into fighting. Um, So I have a YouTube channel uh, called MMA Shredded, and I basically create content that consists of breakdowns of other fighters, my own favorite tactics, my own sparring vlogs. So you'll find all sorts of sparring footage on my channel. Uh, and I'm starting to get into strength and conditioning. Okay. So on your, um, on your one FC page basically says that you originally started martial arts with BJJ and then you switched to Muay Thai. But I always thought it was, I always thought it was the other way around. I thought you were, you know, uh, a Muay Thai practitioner. And then maybe only in the last few years, you started getting into, into BJJ. So I actually told them a funny story about that. I'm not sure if they fully got it. So my first day training um, was a jiu-jitsu class. I remember explicitly thinking like, I like the gi, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train jiu-jitsu. And I remember I was partnered up with someone significantly bigger. And I guess he wasn't the most nicest guy. So he was also a, a white belt at the time. Uh, and the drill was to escape mount. And for the whole five minutes... I could not get out and he just smothered my face with his hairy chest. Oh, and, no. and I was really discouraged. Like my first, first class, I just, I was stuck on the bottom and I had sweat dripping all over my face. And I was like, you know what? 
I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm going to try striking <laughs> instead. So literally after the first day, I quit jiu-jitsu and I, I did Muay Thai for four years before I went back into jiu-jitsu. So that's probably what they meant by I trained jiu-jitsu first. So technically, I started with jiu-jitsu, but really I started with Muay Thai. Okay, so they uh, they they took some creative direction with that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how did you originally get into martial arts? Were you you know watching movies as a kid, like uh, you know Van Damme and and Bruce Lee and stuff like that, or you know what to was be honest, that? to be honest, quite opposite. A lot of people think, or you would assume that I have some sort of um, Bruce Lee fan in me. But I actually didn't watch much of Bruce Lee, and I was never into traditional martial arts. Like, I didn't watch Kung Fu and all that. I watched Jackie Chan, but I didn't really believe in the effectiveness of those martial arts. Um, how it got started with me was I've always been an athletic uh, you know, child. I played soccer, basketball, football, every sport you can think of. And I was always also that guy who would, you know, play fight with my hockey friends. Like I'd be that guy who would play like shot for shot, you know, punch on the arm. And uh, one day my uh, best friend just brought me in to train uh, martial arts. And that's just how it started. Like I, I didn't have the mindset to compete or anything. It was just for fun, for fitness, uh, because I had spare time. I think yeah. I was 15 at the age. And where was this? Uh, the Ottawa Academy of Martial Arts. It was the first gym I trained at in Ottawa. And they do everything Muay Thai, BJJ. Muay Thai BJ, it was a pretty much uh, an MMA gym, very well-rounded. Oh, wow. Okay. So you started Muay Thai. I mean, you had that one class, I guess, BJJ. And I mean, I can mm -hmm. relate to that. I, I, you know, I've been doing Muay Thai since I was uh, probably, let's say, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. So a good maybe 13, 14 years. Um, oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of, not a lot, but I had a good amount of, of amateur fights, never did anything more than that. Um, mm -hmm. but I did have my first BJJ class last year and I was rolling with a white belt guy must've been good hundred pounds more than I was. And oh, wow. he was just on top of me, just like you said, like smushing his chest, his hairy chest in my <laughs> face. And I was like, Oh, I can't get this dude off of me. God damn. And it was just impossible. And, you know, I, I came back to second class, but um, I, I told myself, you know what? Uh, 2020 is my time for like, uh, I'll start BJJ. <laughs> and now who knows when the next time that, that uh, that's even going to be possible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, who knows how long, apparently this lockdown could be for like a year. It could be, man. There could be some waves, you know, that, like they're saying now that, okay, now it's looking like, it's a little bit better. The, the curve is, is starting to flatten out in, in a lot of places, but they're saying that if we ease the restrictions, then in a month or two, we could be seeing even, uh, you know, we could be hit even worse. So well, what's really scary is I, I heard from watching a few like YouTube videos of doctors commenting on, you know, how this will end up. And they said that it could become like the seasonal flu where it goes away and then it comes back. Like that's really scary. Yeah. <laughs> It is, man. It, and especially if, if, you know, how do you see the landscape of of sports and, and, and martial arts? I mean, it's a very physical thing. Well, one, it's a very physical thing, the training, right? You go into camp, you're training, you're, 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 you're touching people, you're, you're very close in, in, you know, you're in close contact with, with other people. And then on top of that, 
when you do the venues, it's a, it's a venue with anywhere from 10,000 to, I don't know, 50,000 people crammed into a place. I don't know. What, what, what do you think the future is going to be, at least for the next couple of years? Like, how do you see this? I think the training is going to be very difficult. Like I'm having a very difficult time now. I'm really eager to spar and just hit someone or get hit myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, at the very least, I'm uh, hitting pads with my fiance in the, in the backyard or the basement. But yeah, it would be primarily the training that's going to hit the fighters very hard. In terms of the event, I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue. Like I had my debut with one championship in a closed door event. So it was all just on video and that was perfectly fine for me. Um, so I could see that continuing, but again, it's just the, the training itself to not, to, to keep social distancing and not being able to train with uh, your team. It, do you think, cause I mean, for you, that was your first, um, I don't want to say professional fight because you've had professional fights, obviously, but yeah, it yeah. was like it was like probably your biggest fight ever, right? Biggest for sure. And biggest crowd, yeah. Big, yeah, but but no crowd. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no so for you, I, I, maybe you don't have like a, a reference point, but you think other fighters, have, maybe you've talked to them and they've said, you know, I, I love the energy, I love that, uh, this and that of of you know fighting in front of let's say twenty thousand or thirty thousand people. Do you think? they might miss that. Is that like something that, and also, I mean, for the sport, they're actually losing money, but for the fighters, is that something that maybe some of them have said that they, they do miss it? Uh, I've heard a lot of people do get hyped up with the crowd. And although I've only had a few professional fights, I'm, I'm four on one now I've had, um, I've had over 20 amateur fights and even the amateur fights all had crowds. So I, I do like the crowd, but I've had found fighting on a private event actually uh, decrease the stress. Yeah. Like I know the fight is important, but you know, there weren't many people to say boo. Not that I've had many people to boo, but for example, yeah. the guy that I fought, he was Singapore's hometown hero. Um, he was like Singaporeans first pro MMA fighter. So I heard a lot of people want him to win. Like they were on his side. So maybe if there are people there, I would have heard boos and that could have, you know, affected my performance. Who knows? But I think it played to my advantage because I'm very used to being on camera because I film all my sparring footages and, and whatnot and uh, didn't have to worry about any haters that night. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we'll definitely get into to, to the whole YouTube uh, content creating thing a bit later. Um, so you got signed recently to 1FC. Was that? the you know that the organization that you wanted to get signed to yeah i mean it's definitely um actually it's funny because prior to that i had told myself or i told my audience that i wouldn't fight again um i mean i i love being a martial artist in the sense that i love training i love the grind um just trying to get better every day i love sparring but i'm not a fan of fighting itself fighting is very stressful and on top of that, my fiance is very, very against me fighting. So I actually had told her like, sorry, she had convinced me to retire from professionally fighting. And then suddenly one championship uh, reached out to me and offered me a contract. And it was kind of like a can't say no to it yeah. <laughs> kind of deal. Why, did, why does she not want you to fight just for your, uh, you know, just she wants to protect you. She doesn't want you to get hurt. Protection. Yeah. She, you know. 
she doesn't want to marry someone who's going to have brain damage, essentially. Well, at least that's what she thinks. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's very plausible. You know, there's a lot of guys that, uh, that, that does happen to probably more in boxing, I would assume, but, um, but MMA as well. I definitely agree that it's much worse for boxing, but uh, to people who are not in the sport itself, they, it's very easy for them to believe, you know, that MMA is also very bad for your brain. Well, I mean, it is, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just there's and there's nothing good about you know, and you and you can see this with some of the the, the retired guys that they're just mm-hmm. you know, even like not not even like CTE, but just body wise, right? The amount of um, damage they've taken, yeah. Yeah, to the neck, to the back, to the legs, to the knees. Um, yeah, you know, cuts to the face. If you look at someone like, um, I don't know, Tony Ferguson or Justin Gaethje, right? Their fighting True. style is just is so wild that yeah. I, I don't know if, if, if that's the recipe for longevity, but it's exactly. definitely the recipe for making exciting fights and, and getting fans. Yeah, so although I agree that you know, fighting is not the best for me. Um, I do believe in the longevity of, of, uh, of training in general. So by competing, that may not necessarily lead to a long uh, career in the sport. Yeah. But there's also ways, I mean, there's fighters that, you know, you're obviously going to get hit, but they get hit less. Um, mm-hmm. If you look, obviously, at Mayweather in boxing, and there's also guys in, in you know, if you even look at Khabib, even though it's completely different fighting style, but he barely gets touched. I don't think he's even had a, a bruise on his face in his, I don't know, 30 fights in MMA. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So. But only only a few of us can be Khabib or Mayweather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a style I think you have to hone in from, from such a young age, this defensive style where you just, you're just ducking or you're just super aggressive that just no one can, can do anything. But yeah, that, that's a lifelong... Uh, skill that people have to hone so you're so you're happy with how many um if you don't mind my asking um how many fights are you signed for in one i'm i have a six fight contract and and they guarantee you x amount of fights each year um i don't i'd have to go through the contract again but i don't believe there i believe there's a set amount i think it was two but i'm not sure if they have to okay yeah. yeah. For, you know, in my mindset, it's kind of like a take one fight at a time. Yeah. And and they're a little bit different, right? Because they have, you know, un- unlike uh, UFC, which only does MMA, they have MMA, Muay Thai, kickboxing, and then they have, I guess, champions with, with multiple belts and multiple practices. Um, who are the kind of yeah. some of the top guys that, you know, you think? Because I don't think people here know as much about one. Obviously, they know Demetrius and they know some of the UFC guys that move over to one. But who are the top? kind of non-American guys that you think fans should, should keep an eye on? Non-American, uh, I would say uh, Martin Nguyen. He is the featherweight champion. Um, there's Christian Lee, the lightweight champion. Um, Kevin Bellington, he's the bantamweight. And uh, those are the three that that uh, come to mind. And And those are MMA? Yes, MMA guys. Uh, when it comes to kickboxing, there's there's so many. There's like Giorgio Petrojan. There's uh, Nikki oh, Holstein. There, there's just uh, a countless amount. I can, can continue naming on and on. But for the MMA guys, I would, I would name those three guys. 
Yeah, I think Liam Harrison fights there, right? In in Wuhan. Yeah, he he recently signed as well. Yeah. Oh, he's an animal. He is. Yeah. Have you seen him hit pads on oh Instagram? Oh my god! Oh my god! There's, and 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 then there'll be some comments sometimes where it's like, "Dude, you don't know how to how to hit." Pad. I'm like, "How are you telling this guy?" Yeah, you know what? There's there's always haters, no matter what you do, no matter how good you are, no matter how good of a person you are. There's always going to be haters, and that's what I've come to realize be, being on YouTube and and starting to get my name out there. There's always going to be haters, and they're just <laughs> some of the things that they say is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they'll, what, what they'll say any. Sorry, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, they'll say anything just to just to hate. Like, here's here's a quick example. Um, I I uh, I posted about me sparring a uh, Taekwondo fighter. He's significantly bigger, and I uh, one champ. You saw that, okay? So one championship uh, reshared it, and uh, they tagged me, and you know I happened to click in, review some of the comments and like people would say just dumb things like uh what was one of the comments so i basically caught the kick and swept them yeah and I i'll get a, I'll, I'll get a comment saying um i think i read a comment saying it, it that's a that's a crappy kick and uh if you don't want to get caught just don't throw your kick dummy or you know something something <laughs> really stupid <laughs> oh my god there's there's these keyboard warriors that for some reason i don't know they 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 i don't know it's because people feel bad i mean there's there's there is real stuff to get outraged about on the internet but there's people that will go and they'll just try to trash everyone doing good positive things you know and i don't yeah. know why that is maybe they're unhappy maybe they feel like if they say or demean some say something bad or demean someone else that lifts them up I'm, I'm not sure what the psychology behind that is but it's uh it's a little twisted it's, and, and you know it's 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 the power of anonymity you can just sit there and say whatever it is that you want to say and and with no real repercussion it's not like they're going to meet you in the street and say that you know yeah no i i truly do believe that the people who are making those comments are people are that are probably not very happy in their lives and need help yeah, where do you think is the worst? Um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Where is, where do you see like the worst hate? I would say YouTube for sure. Really? Yeah. Uh, Instagram, I, it's been pretty positive. Uh, YouTube, the, the 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 number of haters is still low, but I would say YouTube. I've read like some terrible comments. That sucks. People. Oh, it's no. like, yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I watch Joe Rogan podcasts all the time. And yeah. uh, one of the podcasts was with Joyce St. Pierre. Like, Joyce St. Pierre is such a nice guy. And who who would hate on Joyce St. Pierre? Oh, who, what do you know? People do hate on Joyce St. Pierre. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't he's be perfect. Ni- no, he's the nicest guy. Like, how, how can you say something bad about him? He's he's literally all positive, all like, he's he's like the angel of of, of MMA pretty much. Exactly. And, and they're still haters. So I guess uh, I've gone a lot of people who I guess I've inspired them to start their own channels, uh, their own you know platforms, and then they start and then they'll receive hate and they'll message me and say like, hey, how do you deal with hate? How do you deal with these like online haters? And I'll tell them it's like, no matter how good you are, there's always gonna be haters. 
you know, no matter how nice of a guy like George St. Pierre is, he'll still get haters. It's just, it just comes with it. And it's not your fault. Yeah. I think you just have to block it out. Just don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned GSP um, and you recently started training at, at TriStar. How, how's uh, that experience been? It's been a really great experience. Very, very different. Um, a lot of high level fighters and Froz is just a very smart coach. Uh, I love the way he, he thinks and teaches and sequences his, 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 uh, his classes. Like everything he teaches is in sequence. And, uh, yeah, I've just learned a lot there. I mean, he's pretty much known as a, as an MMA genius. Uh, I mean, could you put your finger on, on, on why that is? Why you think, you know, he's got that reputation? Um, he just, like I said, I would say his, I haven't been there that, that long, but, um, just going to his jiu-jitsu classes, you can see how methodical his teaching is. Um, he won't teach random things. It's like everything is for a reason and he'll, he'll, uh, tailor to a jiu-jitsu practitioner or an MMA practitioner. And yeah. Is, is there an advantage going to a, you know, a, a big gym like that or a big camp rather than maybe some, some of the smaller ones? Um, I would say the biggest advantage is, um, the sparring partners. So like at my gym back at my home, um, I'd have to spar guys significantly bigger. And if I'm ever sparring someone that's my weight class, they're probably much less experienced. Whereas I go to TriStar and on sparring day, there's like 10 guys that are my weight class, if not more. And they're all really high level as well. Okay. So there's better sparring partners, better. Yeah. I mean, I guess better sparring partners, better, uh, maybe strength and conditioning workouts, just better overall. Actually for the strength conditioning, uh, the pro fighters will do it on their own time. So I met, um, this guy named Xavier Aloui. He's uh, one of my training partners and, uh, he ended up coming with me and coaching me for my, uh, one championship debut, but he owns a, a strength and conditioning gym called uh, one punch. And a lot of the fighters go there to do their strength conditioning. So in in one FC, the weight cut is done a little bit differently, right? It's it's not the same as as the UFC. Do, do they uh, do they have some rules in place so people don't cut too much? Uh, yes. So they don't allow any water cut. So they do hydration tests, which I almost failed actually. Really? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So. Basically, the weight class for bantam or the, the the weight category is one thirty five to one forty five to be bantam weight. So normally, I have to cut down to one thirty five, but this time I only have to cut to one forty five. But I cannot cut any water. But I also have to be very hydrated, and it, it was tricky for my first time because I didn't know what hydrated was considered. Like I, I drank water that day. I drank a lot of water, but um, if I you know, hadn't drink my last cup of water, I might have failed it because you have to be really hydrated at 145. Wow. So, so do they check kind of like what you're walking around weight is and then they, they calculate based on that how much you're supposed, how much you're allowed to cut or, or they have some sort of a machine mm-hmm. or test that tests your hydration on, on the day of? They'll check uh, your walk around weight randomly, but we'll do like a P test, oh, urine okay. test. Yeah. So based on that, they know the the hydration level. Yeah, they'll actually test it right in, like right in front of everybody during the weigh-ins. Oh, really? And you have to actually weigh in twice. Huh. 
right, that's different. Yeah, it's different, but it's definitely a lot easier. So, like, my walk around weight is 152, and then I used to cut down to 135, and I would just diet to 142, and then water cut to 135. But now I just have to diet to 145 and no water cut. Oh, that's that's amazing because there's guys yeah. in the UFC. You'll see them; they'll walking around weights like 190, and dude <laughs> fights at at 55, and then he weighs in at 55. In within 24 hours, you'll see him at 75. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's like that. That can't be healthy for your body, man. The the, the fluctuation within such a short period of time. There, there's a video of um uh darren till from uh i don't know a year or two ago and he was fighting at 170 this guy was walking around like 220 and he's literally on he's in the sauna and there's video of him and he's coming out of the sauna on all fours just crawling can't walk i'm like that's one of the hardest videos i've had to watch i was like dude this guy's literally killing himself like there's no way he's going to be fight ready in 24 hours yeah, no, it's definitely not healthy for you. And um, I, I I, hope all organizations take this approach. It's so much healthier for the fighters. You feel so much better and it's so much easier. And and there's no, uh, you know, cheating, right? Because everyone's going to be yeah. the same weight. So do you have any, you know, because you have a very interesting style that you have. It's obviously Muay Thai based, but, you know, you, you, you incorporate other elements. Um, do you have certain fighters that you like to emulate that you like to take certain things from? Uh, actually, yeah, I, I would say, yeah. So I started with Muay Thai, but my striking looks very different. Definitely doesn't look Muay Thai and nobody would guess that my striking background is Muay Thai. They would guess like karate. Um, but the truth is I started with Muay Thai, um, but I get rid of things that I don't like, right? That's how you should be as a martial artist, you should take what works and throw out what doesn't. And yeah. I also, I'm a visual learner and I watch a lot of fights and, uh, George St. Pierre is a fighter that I've, you know, done a lot of research on and that's why my stance is very wide. So I've taken, you know, George St. Pierre's, uh, in and out movement, his wide stance from his karate background. Uh, so I, I take that, but I throw away the karate attacks and I use Muay Thai weapons with the karate, you know, footwork if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have a very deceiving, you know, uh, high switch kick mm -hmm. and cause kind of you duck your head when you do it. So it doesn't necessarily look like, you know, it looks like maybe you're, you're coming in for, uh, for an outside down. leg. Yeah. Or an outside leg kick, or, but, but not a, you know, not a high switch kick. Um, where, where did you learn that, that, that one from? TJ Dillashaw. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 say, I could yeah. easily say, uh, you know, high kicks, I learned from watching TJ Dillashaw, my footwork from watching Dominic Cruz, my low kicks from Jose Aldo, my wide stance from George St. Pierre, my blitz attacks from Lyoto Machida, etc. You know, uh, there's so many fighters that you can take from and just add it to your own arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. He, he yeah, because I, I, when I watched it, I was like, wow, that he reminded me of someone, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, definitely TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, yeah. So usually I, you know, when, when I, cause you know, I've been doing Muay Thai for a while and I personally love ending combos with, with leg kicks. Um, is there a favorite combo or favorite, you know, strike that, that, that you like more than others? Um, I would say, you know, Jose Aldo, you know, starting with the hook 
you know, Dutch style, Raymond Decker yeah. style, hook, low kick. Uh, I've, I used to be very big with, uh, you know, Dutch style using the hands to set up the kicks, but now I find I've been, you know, at least my sparring partners know what I'm going to do. So they see the kick coming. So now I'm kind of using my low kicks to set up my hands more. Mm. Yeah, I I, uh, I took a seminar once uh, with uh, Ernesto Hust, and um, this was years back. And this guy is huge. He was humongous. Like I, I was like half his size, and um, you know he showed. He actually did one of the combos, kind of like I was just holding the the you know the, the gloves for him, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended with um with a low kick on my leg. Obviously, he just touched it, but even that touch, I was like, well, okay, like if that if that shit lands, that's <laughs> it. It's, it's a wrap. It's, you know, yeah, Ernesto Hoos is, uh, (laughs) he's also a guy that I, I, I used to follow a lot. Deadly low kicks. Deadly. There's, Mm -hmm. he's, yeah, he's probably one of the first ones I think that really used it because, you know, he's, he's, he was doing this, what, like nineties, early two thousands, you know, he was, um, yeah. And his leg kick isn't just a straight, like it comes from above and just chops it. Kicks it downwards. Yeah. Yeah. And he oh, does and that Liam Harrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, Liam Harrison as well. But yeah, so I think that's something you implemented very well in your uh, Gillespie fight. Do you think that that made you a, a huge difference in that fight? Yeah, it was like all low kicks. <laughs> it was yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's just with my Gillespie fight, but uh, all my fights, I I like to kick the leg. Big part of my game. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, you know, for people maybe that don't know, what what does that do if you, when you kick someone's leg, what advantage does that give you? Um, well, it first of all slows down your opponent. So if you chop his legs, um, he's going to be slower with his footwork. Um, it'll also start draining the punching power because you use your legs to punch or at least to punch with power. And, uh, you fake low, you sure after you kick the legs a lot, you can fake low and start attacking high. So it sets you up for other other opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's um I think that's very helpful. I think because maybe not everyone knows. You know, you you kind of forget when you're in it, you think everyone knows these things, but there's some guys that maybe don't follow MMA or Muay Thai, so it's helpful for them to to get some insight. For sure. Um, for sure. So you're, you know, like you said, you're a student of the game. You you, you follow and you've learned from a lot of different people. Um, do you think, or how important is it? Do you think for fighters to study different aspects? You know, uh, Dutch kickboxers, MMA, Muay Thai, uh, Shoto, karate, all these different methods, um, or should they, you know, focus on the one specific thing they love, or should they focus on many different things? I think it's important to start with one until you build your foundations um, and just understand that discipline first, but always be open-minded, um, especially if you're going to compete in MMA or, or just do MMA in general. MMA is so um, vast. It's just it's so, it's just so many possibilities and options that uh, you might need to switch your stance. You might need to switch your stance just because of the fighter you're fighting. Um, so I, I, I believe that you should start with one discipline and, and yeah, build the foundation. And then once you've gone comfortable with that, then you can start a second discipline and then start mixing it more. So be proficient in one thing and build on that. 
Yeah. So I, I, I believe I trained Muay Thai for four years before I even started getting that, you know, started training Jiu Jitsu. I was really comfortable with Muay Thai first. Whereas some people, they, they get too excited when they start and they start training Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, wrestling, boxing, they train all four or all three at the same time. And it's just too much for you to learn and, um, too much for you to, to get good at one, be yeah. a master at one discipline and then slowly work on the other. Yeah, similar to a, um, you know, to Wonder Boy, for example, who's just so good at one thing, but he's also not, you know, his takedown defense is is, is good. Like he he doesn't get taken down much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at the one thing that he does. His in and out attacks, yeah, yeah. He's the, the way he throws those kicks and cuts those angles, and even his hands. He lets. You know, his hands are low, but he throws them very well. And then he's out of there before you even try to punch back. So he moves very well. I would love to to, to do sparring with him. Just get kicked in the head once by Wonder Boy. And <laughs> that's it. I'm True. Good. Yeah. He, he's, he, I've seen him spar a lot of people. It, it's, it, he's very controlled as well. Very, yeah. very nice guy. Uh, he's, yeah. I mean, he's the, what he got, um, the nicest MF in the game award or something. Oh, did he? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because uh, they they did the whole like uh, Masvidal got the the baddest motherfucker in the game, oh, so yeah, yeah. he got the nicest one. I wonder if he's the nicest or Sage Northcutt. I know Sage is with one championship now, but that yeah. kid is so nice. He seems like it. Have you met him? I've never met him, but I just based off watching him on social media, he's such a nice kid. Yeah, see, feel I feel like he goes to sleep smiling, like he's just always <laughs> smiling. Yeah, yeah. but I I, I hope. Yeah, I know he he broke his jaw um, in the last fight. Yeah, fighting uh, what's his name? I forgot. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I forgot. The, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Cosmo, I I get, his, Cosmo, 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 Cosmo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a bad knockout. Yeah, that was um, that was really bad actually. But Cosmo's Cosmo's a legit fighter. He's he's been uh, been doing this for a minute. For sure. I mean, I I was surprised that they put him up against such a tough opponent for his first 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 fight but i guess uh one championship want to show uh that you know their guys are just as good as ufc guys yeah there's a little bit of flex there right on on their part they're like guy you know we're where we have the best guys in the world and i mean you kind of see that right even some mm-hmm. of the eddie alvarez lost his first fight and um i mean uh, demetrius, demetrius johnson had a very tough fight yeah yeah it's there's no easy fights there yeah, no, definitely. There are lions at one championship for sure. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, in America, maybe we know less about it, but there's just, there's maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because it's in Asia, maybe they don't have as, the, the marketing isn't as good. Maybe the, the you know, because a lot of the guys don't speak English, so they can market themselves. Um, but there's definitely, you know, I, I've watched some fights and there's some legit guys in, in that, uh, that one. Yeah, I would I would just say that UFC is much more well known in America, and then one championships is the opposite, much more well known in Asia. Yeah, and then they could potentially even I don't know what the numbers are, but they could have even a, a larger viewership just because you know Asia is is massive. You're talking billions of people. <laughs> That's what they say, actually. But interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think it's a because you obviously have a lot of videos? Um, you actually have. So I, I was scrolling down. Your first video 
is literally you going out in the street <laughs> and asking people, hey, can you punch me in the face? Um, and so I, I guess that that kind of leads to two questions. One is, do you think, and obviously later on, the video changed to more breakdowns and, and, and quality content. Uh, but A, do you think it's an advantage or a disadvantage to show kind of all, all your skills and techniques online? And I, B is... I just want to, let me just uh, yeah, yeah. finish the thing. And then B, as far as the um, that video, you know, how did you come up with that idea and, and how did people actually do with trying to punch you in the face? <laughs> Should I start with uh, A or B? <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. Okay. Um, having all my footage online is definitely a, can be a disadvantage, um, but it can also be an advantage to me. It depends on how hard you study me, I guess. Um, a disadvantage, obviously, because you know, people study me, but I'm not that concerned because I don't just put my best stuff out there. I put, I put out content of me trying new techniques all the time. And I don't tell them whether or not that's my best skill or not. Like I'm, I'm always just trying different uh, techniques. I'm imitating fighters. So, you know, if you study that video, you might think that that's my style, but really that's not my style and, and so on. But if they really study me, then, you know, I guess they would know my style, but then again, if you watch my last fight, you should also already be able to know my style. So, um, it can be a disadvantage or it can be an advantage or sorry, it's it's not an advantage, but it can be a disadvantage. It depends on how, how much they try to study me. Um, for your second question about the, uh, going on the street, basically I had a friend who, um, inspired me to start the channel. And that friend is the one who uh, gave me the idea to do it. So the first, the first video of your channel, I mean, I've always had planned to make tutorials, but I started with that video because it was a strategy to um, make a viral video. So that video actually uh, hit one of the most uh, top views of all my videos. And uh, it was actually very tough to, to film because although I had about like five or six people participate in the in the trying to punch me in the face a lot of people kind of walked away and thought i was really weird who's this crazy guy asking me to punch him in the face yeah i I had like over 10 people be like give me a dirty look and kind of just walk away (laughs) (laughs) yeah but were people you know successful some of them i mean it didn't seem like any of them had any background but no, I, I believe maybe like one person or, or two people had like a bit of uh, martial arts background, but the other people uh, didn't have any, any, uh, any martial arts experience at all. And actually, I got a lot of hate on that video, although it did very well. And it gave me a lot of subscribers as my first video. I got a lot of hate. <laughs> yeah, like, like we said, you're gonna get that, right? Yeah, the most common... Uh, comment on that video would be like these guys can't punch but i made but the thing is in the introduction i made it clear that i wasn't trying to prove i was good i was just trying to prove that the long guard works against untrained people so that's why you should go ahead and learn it so that you yeah. learn self-defense yeah it seems it seems like an obvious thing right you're not in the gym you're out on the street you're you're going up to random people this isn't like a uh a, you know a gym where people are trained so that was the whole idea behind it. I think that was, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think you did well. I don't know why. And again, I don't know. People love to talk shit when they can or yeah. it, it is what it is. But your tutorials are actually 
you know, I, I love them because a they don't have this twenty minute build up. You know, a lot of times you'll go into tutorial for anything, right? Uh-huh. And it'll and th- and then the guy will talk about twenty thirty minutes about something completely unrelated, the history of it. He'll do that unboxing. Like, I, I just want to know this thing that I clicked on. Why are you making me like go through this whole <laughs> twenty minute build up just to see this? So I love that you you know they're authentic and unique and they don't there's not a lot of fluff you just give the breakdown you explain you know whatever the headliner says in the in the tutorial that's that's what the video is and it's also not again it's not 30 40 minutes it's you know it's broken down into what it needs to be breaking down so you know i I really enjoy the videos thank you yeah that's something that i try to differentiate myself uh, from other you know channels is that I have a very short attention span and so does everyone else. So I just go cut straight to the chase. So you said your the idea originally started from your friend, right? Yes. Um, you might have heard of him. His name is uh, Sean Fagan. Oh, the, yeah. The, the uh, Muay Thai guy. Yeah, yeah, I know him. I know. Yeah, he's, he's also he's a great channel as well. Yeah, yeah. How it started was I... Uh, he, sorry, he was hosting his first... Um, camp in thailand um and this was three three years ago i believe in or four years now 2016 and i went to go meet him and train with him and um yeah i was very inspired by what he did and i guess he basically if i remember correctly he told me like you could do the same thing in mma and uh and i used his camera to film my first video so he was the guy that that got me into it and inspired me is he Canadian? He is uh, New York, actually. Oh, he's from New, New York. Okay. Yeah. I wonder where he trains here in New York. Uh, oh, sorry. He's from New York, but now he lives permanently in Thailand. Okay. So he's does he still fight, or is he just training there? I believe he still fights here and there, yeah. In Thailand. You, you were just in, in Thailand, right? Yeah, I was in Thailand um, before Singapore. And then after Singapore, I went to Vietnam, and I... If if it wasn't for COVID nineteen, I would still be in uh, Thailand right now because I was supposed to host a, um, one of my training travel camps there in Koh Samui. And what camp? Um, sorry, what what? Just you, you out of what camp do you train in uh, in Thailand, or were you training in Thailand? It, it would have been my own uh, camp. Oh, uh, your I own. I, okay. I can't remember what the gym was uh, was called, but. Uh, Basically, I rent out a a gym there, and I host a camp that consists of about twelve to fourteen people. Um, mm-hmm. For this camp specifically, there were fourteen people who had signed up, and uh, yeah, so we it's a two week long camp, and we train two to three times a day every day. And uh, I just have a structured curriculum for two weeks on, and you know, after training, we go and explore the island, and it's a it's a really fun time. Sign me up, man! Sign me up. <laughs> I'd love to have you. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to Thailand twice a um, long time ago, probably seven or eight years ago. Oh, wow. Maybe even, oh, no, yeah. probably close to 10 years. Yeah, a long time ago. And I, I, I did like, a, I did first time I did about a month uh, training camp. Oh, and, what gym did uh, you go to? Um, what was his name? I'm blanking on the name right now, but it was in um, in Bangkok, but like, the less touristy part it was like near this uh weekend market thing and it was just really old school like uh okay, the, okay. 
it didn't it didn't have pretty much anything in that gym you know uh the 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 little guest house i was sleeping in didn't have any you know hot water it's it's all cold water it's, it's nothing oh, wow. fancy uh-huh. yeah and uh you would go running in the morning you would like run through the, the market and you would just smell all the i don't know they would be burning shit in the morning i don't Street know exactly food, what yeah. it was and it was just like, and you'd be like inhaling that as you're running to the park every morning. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I'm blanking on the name, but it was, it was a fun experience. You know, you, you, I feel like, and like you said, it's like, a, it's like five hours of training every day and, it, and it, you get, you like, it's like a year's worth of training in, in a month, pretty much. Yeah. It, I think a lot of people go to Thailand because you can get fights really easily. Like you can get a fight on a, a day's notice um and and training in the heat training outside the environment thailand is just known for being a fight country and yeah that's why i host my camps there as well and everything and the food's also so cheap that you really save so on money yeah yeah the food's delicious there uh man i'm not, I'm not kidding sign me up I'll, I'll definitely i'll uh i'll be glad to come but um i remember my when i was training there my first uh fight that um that my coach um set up he takes me to this club and i see kind of like it's kind of like i don't know strippers and it looks weird and there's a lot of you know tourists and stuff i'm like dude uh, we were fighting today he's like yeah we're fighting we're fighting and he takes me upstairs and i see this guy that i'm supposed to fight this guy looks like he's got who knows hundreds of fights underneath them i have no idea and um and then like you know he's like he starts like oil me up and and everything uh-huh. and uh and then yeah, I've, I've had oh, a nice. couple of like fights, but like I go down and you know they set up this like little ring inside this like kind of strip club, mm-hmm. and yeah, just fight. And there's no, no real, you know, it's like uh, the the ref who knows, you know, who this guy is, and it was just um, impromptu Muay Thai fight in a strip club, and uh, and then afterwards, you know, as soon as he as soon as you finish the fight. He kind of tells you, all right, now, now go, go around and, and, and ask people for money. I'm like, what? Oh, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's a tradition, a tradition. And like me and this other fighter were kind of going around saying thank you. And, and people just giving us like, you know, a hundred baht, 200 baht. I was like, really? this is such a weird experience. But you know, <laughs> that, that fight got me another like couple of weeks in Thailand. So I was like, all right, that's interesting. Weird, and let me guess, there's no weigh-ins. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing. <laughs> me neither. I, 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 I my fight in Thailand, I ended up fighting a guy with over 80 fights and he gave me 13 stitches. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. that on, uh, you put it on YouTube. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And, and did they, but they do a pretty good job, right? Like with the stitches, surprisingly. They did. They did. They did, they did yeah. But yeah, uh, it's just funny some. how there's no weigh ins and uh, the fight was on like a week's notice. And yeah. 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 They, they eye it, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're about, you're about to wait. It's fine. You're good. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny, man. So yeah, so back to your YouTube channel. Do you think you kind of um, you're setting the blueprint in, in a way for fighters? I mean, you obviously have a very big fan base, and I think it helps to know how to capitalize on on social media. It's a, it's a big advantage nowadays in any in industry. Doesn't matter if you're a entertainment, modeling, tech, MMA, you know, if you have a uh, a backing of fan behind you, fans behind you, it's obviously it's an advantage. And I think a lot of maybe up and coming fighters or even professional fighters maybe aren't 
aren't maybe not as aware or they don't care as much or they don't they don't care as much to put the time and the effort into building that online presence. Um, do you think that's something that obviously you still have to be a, a good fighter? You still have to win. You still have to improve. But how crucial is it to build, you know, how crucial is it to build an online presence in order for that to propel your career forward or at least potentially do that? I think a lot of fighters nowadays are starting to see that they need a social presence to uh, build a name for themselves. Um, at the same time, I think there's a lot of fighters who just don't care about it or they're too lazy to, and uh, they just want to, they just want to fight. That's all they care about. Um, but I do see nowadays a lot of fighters who, um, who want to build their online presence. Uh, I guess it just depends on how much they're willing to put in. The thing about me is I'm, I'd say I'm different from many other fighters. Uh, fighting is not a priority to me. I started this channel originally because I love training martial arts, number one, but I love sharing the knowledge and I, I love helping people. I was actually in law enforcement before uh, doing this full time. Um, so my end goal is I, I like helping people. And, you know, now I literally get daily messages from people saying like, hey, I love your content. It's helped me so much. I won my last fight from you, this, 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 and that. It's, it's such a rewarding feeling. And that's why, like, no matter how much haters there are, the the people who appreciate my work uh, definitely outweighs the haters. And that's what motivates me to keep doing it. Uh, but with that said, my channel is, I'd say, very different from many others or any other fighters that could that they could possibly have is because I share my downfalls. Like I share my sparring. Not A lot of pro fighters are not willing to put their sparring in because they're scared other fighters will read them. For me, uh, again, my priority is content creation. So I choose that over the disadvantage that my uh, fighter is reading, you know, my skill or, or whatever. Um, so I show a lot of my downfalls, which a lot of other fighters are not willing to do. Um, yeah, I think yeah. No, Go I was going to say you have. You, I was going to say you have two big advantages. One is if you look at a lot of fighters, like just for example, Wonder Boy and, and Nate Diaz and Connor and you know a lot of big ones, they start their channels after they're already in the UFC, after they're already a big name, right? Exactly. Um, so it's easy for them to to join that crowd. You're doing the opposite. You are building a name for yourself because of your online presence, and that helped to propel you forward. And now it's going to be this continuous loop where your online presence is going to potentially fuel your career and your career is going to potentially fuel your online presence, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. With that said, now that you've mentioned it, it's like showing everyone my journey and I'm showing everyone that I didn't start off as a superstar like Wonder Boy or Conor McGregor. I started off um, not being that good <laughs> and they can see my skill progress as I keep vlogging my training and whatnot. Yeah, I think also that that is a huge, I think people want authenticity, you know, and people mm -hmm. want to relate. And when you have, you know, especially nowadays, it's very edited. Everything's edited to show the best side of of yourself because you mm -hmm. can edit it in any way you want. So you're showing all only the knockouts and you're showing, especially with uh, the social media lifestyle where you're showing yourself only on vacation in a five-star hotel on the beach in the Caribbean, and you're showing 
you know, only the knockouts and you're showing only when you're dressed the best and then the nicest car. But and after a while, when you watch it, you're like, all right, come on, dude. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in a yeah. one bedroom apartment in New York City. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And, but when you have someone showing, all right, dude, look, like, you know, I had a rough day today. I got knocked out by this dude or this guy put me on my ass and I'm working just as hard. I think that's why people are kind of tired of, of, of the celebrity culture. They want to relate to someone like themselves who is working hard and who's struggling, but still positive and still building momentum and still trying to influence other people to do good. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, that also, um, what I, what I want to add to it, I don't show only my best side because I want people to know that I'm not the best. Um, and that I fail all the time to get better. And even now, I tell my audience all the time that I don't think I'm the best in the world. I don't think I can even ever be the best in the world. I just want to like be the best version of myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so who who does all the videography, actually, when you're um, when you are training and uh, doing all the sparring? My fiance helps film. Um, I, I started off with a tripod like two, three years ago, but, um, now my fiance helps films everything. So thank God I have her. Yeah. Right. But she doesn't mind. Cause she's, you said she's, she's kind of opposed to you fighting, but she doesn't mind all, all the sparring and all that. Um, sometimes you'll see, um, like my sparring footage, like cut off because, you know, if there's like a heavy exchange she like looks away and then she gets <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't get she doesn't uh film it but yeah. for the most part she films everything and, and obviously sparring is you know yes you can spar hard but if there's if you see the knockout you're not going for the knockout right yeah it's, it's still different you, from you would fight. hope so you would yeah. hope yeah my last sparring session with that taekwondo fighter <laughs> he went a little hard but yeah, you could see off the bat, he was, you know, as soon as you cut the leg, he was throwing these hard punches. And uh, yeah, there's just some of these guys that just want to go a little bit harder. Do, do you actually find it easier um, sparring with guys that are taller or, or shorter than you? I definitely think it's easier to spar someone shorter. I hate sparring people tall. I hate fighting people who are tall. That's actually one of the main reasons why I transitioned into MMA is because in Muay Thai, you get like, okay, I remember I was fighting at 145 and I fought a guy that was 6'3". Wow. Super tall and super skinny. And I, I just, I couldn't hit his face. All I could do was kick his legs. Wow. But in 6'3", Yeah, he's, you can also find that fight on my channel, I think. Um, he's super tall, super skinny. And uh in Muay Thai, you, you got to strike with him, and it's really hard to hit him in the face. But in MMA, you can go for the takedown. And if the guy's that tall and skinny, you're probably stronger than him, so you'll probably have the advantage if you take him to the ground. So that's why you know I, I appreciate MMA so much more. So what was your technique in that fight? What did you do? I, I kicked his leg. <laughs> I literally kicked <laughs> his leg like a million times. I, I came out with uh, a unanimous decision as well. I just literally chopped his legs. That's awesome. I, I don't think people understand how, how good a leg kick can be. It's just, it's one of those things where you get kicked four, five, six, seven, eight times, you know, hard kicks that changes the outcome. And you, you, you know, people don't want to get kicked as much. And, uh, 
they're not going to be as maneuverable. They're not going to move as well. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's a little underrated. It is. It is. They just need to watch Jose Aldo kick someone in the leg, and they'll understand. Oh, that you that Uriah Faber fight. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, his leg was so swollen. Oh, it was horrible. I don't know if you saw that. I think like the next day he, he posted a video. It it looked like he had two legs. It, it was <laughs> horrific. Yeah. It was just all swollen, black, purple, blue, all different shades. And he was on was, crutches, right? Yeah, he was on crutches. Yeah, I remember the exact video you're talking about. Poor, poor fella. <laughs> yeah. So um, back to, to, to the videos. Do you give um, your girlfriend, do you give her kind of creative freedom to do what she wants? Or does she just do the filming and then you kind of do the editing and then the voiceover and all that? Uh, she just films when I tell her to film. She does not like filming. She does not enjoy uh, doing it, but you know, it saves me money from hiring a uh, hiring someone to film for me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I do the editing. She'll she actually uh, does the back end stuff for the business. Like she is much more business minded than I am. I'm more of just like the martial arts guy, the face of the of the brand. Um, but she. She does all the business backend stuff. Although I do the editing, she'll kind of look over and tell me like, you know, that font's too big, that font's too small or this and that. Yeah. Yeah. You need that, that um, feminine touch sometimes with, uh, yeah. with the creative stuff. I, uh, I, I, you know, I use my wife's help also with, with, with these type of things. And um, she's just a little better at it than, uh, than I obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I think people misunderstand or maybe underestimate the amount of work involved in, in creating content, YouTube content. I mean, content's content. It doesn't matter if it's for YouTube or for, for anywhere else. But I mean, you have to come up with ideas, create them, edit them, engage, market, uh, you do all these different things. And still you have to train full time. So, I mean, that can't be easy. Uh, yeah, it definitely takes away from um, fighting. So. Before signing with one championship, you know, I just spent all my time training and making videos. And then uh, when I found out that I had my fight coming up, I moved to TriStar. And actually, not only did I not have time to create content, I was actually not allowed to film my sparring at TriStar because there's too many pro fighters with fights uh, coming up. So Faraz uh, didn't allow me to film during that time. And... Uh, yeah, so it's it's hard to balance both. Right now, I would be making more content, but I'm stuck at home. Yeah, <laughs> but if it wasn't so what, for COVID, yeah, so what what do you, what do you do during this time? I mean, if if like like you said with Corona, I mean uh, it's a little harder to create content now, right? Well, I'm doing a lot of uh, home workouts for people to follow, shadow boxing workouts, you know, self training videos for for people who are also well. I mean, everyone's stuck on lockdown right now. Uh, but besides that, I actually have a lot of footage I have not edited. Like I, I have probably another 10 to 20 videos that I could, could make right now with unedited footage because I traveled to Asia and I, uh, I, I visited like 20 different gyms and I just filmed a lot and I just haven't had the time to edit at all. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's uh that that's a good thing to have because, like we said in the beginning of the podcast, we we just don't know right now. We uh, yeah. this could be. I mean, I know here in New York they extended it 
for until like May 15th, if I'm not mistaken. But we just, yeah, but again, this is just for now and uh, we just don't know. So I think what you're doing is, is very smart. And again, back to to the business aspect of it, you know, you get paid when you fight, obviously, Uh just like any other fighter. But if, you know, because of this thing, if, if there are no fights happening, then a lot of fighters are not getting paid. And if there's an alternative um, route for them for income, you know, another income stream. That's amazing. So if you have, you know, the videos that you put out and if you have so much content that you can just edit and, and keep putting out for the next couple of months, that's that's a huge benefit that, again, even if fighters don't want to capitalize on it and work and, and gain that that online presence, they can they should do this just as an additional income stream. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also keeping me really busy. Yeah. And I mean, does it help you when you kind of, when you're sitting and editing and reviewing on your, your technique and sparring and all, is it beneficial for you when you're looking at like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I can improve on this next time and kind of work on it in your head. Absolutely. I actually tell people, um, so I'll, I'll teach, um, private sessions online. So I watch people spar and, um, and critique, but you know, before t- I had to tell them to film their sparring because I learned so much from watching myself spar and I learned how to be a better coach when I watch myself spar because I would say I'm a naturally athletic person. So I'll do techniques that I like, I don't plan it. I just do it naturally and I won't know what I did until I watch myself spar and slow it down and break it down myself. So at first, when I started this channel, I would, think of a technique, try to pull it off and then teach it. But I'm at a point now where I just fill my sparring. I try random stuff. You know, obviously I try to imitate fighters, uh, but I'll, I'll also just spar regularly. And then when I pull off that move, I'll teach that move. Hmm. If that makes sense. So I'm not, yeah, yeah sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this move that Max Holloway does. Or sometimes I'm just sparring and then I see that I'm doing something and then I break it down and I teach it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also like to include sparring footage to everything I teach uh, to keep it genuine. So that also helps. Yeah. I think authenticity is a, is a, is a big thing for you, which it, that's why probably a lot of people can relate. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, your online platform, the MMA Shredded uh, website? Uh, So on my website, you can sign up for my train and travel camps. (laughs) And I also have uh, my online courses there. I have about three courses at the moment. And what made you, because you originally started with the YouTube and then you switched over to the online platform. Like what made you do that uh, or add that, not switch, but what made you add that? So I originally, like, like I said earlier, I was in law enforcement. And YouTube was just a side thing. Um, it was like a, a way to vlog my journey, um, like a little journal in a way and, uh, help others as well. And then, you know, I started to see some growth in 2017. And, uh, I think around 2018, I hit around a hundred thousand. And that's when I was like, you know, and I could maybe make a living off of this. And then I decided to make that big jump. And obviously, 
just YouTube is not enough to make a living. And I'll need, I needed to find other ways to, uh, make money. And yeah. Sean, the Muay Thai guy, he has lots of courses online and I basically learned from him. He's essentially like a mentor. Um, did you ever have to use any of your, uh, martial arts as a, uh, law enforcement guy? Um, a bit, but like a bit of grappling, but I, I never, I never had to strike anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Never had to flatten someone out. Yeah. I was actually, I was always in the security industry, uh, armored transportation industry. And then I was in law enforcement for about two months, actually only before, uh, making the switch. So uh, you grew up in Ottawa or do you grew up in Toronto? I was in Ottawa and Ottawa is, it's not a small city, but the law enforcement opportunities were limited. So after I graduated, I moved to Toronto, which is a much bigger city, um, yeah. for more, uh, opportunities. Okay. Yeah. I, I would imagine Ottawa is just, I don't know. Whenever I, I think of Canada, I just see this idyllic nature uh, thing. I don't know. I have, I have this, I have this picture in my head of just landscapes of mountains and rivers and beavers and maple, <laughs> and it just all seems so nice and quiet and idyllic. Every time I go to Canada, every like people are super nice, and all the places are just beautiful. So. A lot of uh, government buildings in Ottawa. Nature is nature is decent. I think Vancouver is better for for nature. Vancouver, Calgary, Quebec, British Columbia. British Columbia is unbelievable. Yes, yes. So, have you been to Canada? Yeah, I've been. uh, So, funnily enough, I went to. So when I got to New York about seven years ago, I think about two weeks after I got to New York. I took a car and I drove up to see the John Jones Gustafson fight in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I stayed in the Airbnb there and uh, I, I just literally just drove out there just to see the fight. So I think it was maybe like a, I can't remember exactly, maybe like 10 hours it took us to, to drive up to Toronto Okay, and uh, watch the fight. And then the next day we drove up to, I think it's, Bryce National Park or Bruce National Park, I forget the name exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, and we just drove back next day. So it was just just to watch the fight. And that was my first time in in Toronto. And then uh, I've been to uh British Columbia twice, just you know, went to Whistler, did some snowboarding, mm-hmm. and then just kind of traveled around uh, Vancouver Island and all those all those areas. So but every time I went to to British Columbia, I was just blown away by by the landscape and just how beautiful and, and scenic that that place is yeah it is a very nice place we actually want to move there <laughs> you do yeah uh, my fiance does at least <laughs> yeah yeah well right now are you are you still in ottawa or did you move because of the training uh camp um so i should be in montreal right now but the gym is closed i mean all gyms are closed so there's no point in being there so i'm back in ottawa um but I, yeah, I moved to Montreal for the fight camp and then, uh, I was going to spend more time in Asia before coming back to Montreal, but because the gym's closed down, I'm in Ottawa with, uh, with my mother. Oh, I see. 
So, but if if everything was normal right now and there's no corona and there's no nothing, how does you know how does training work? Like you obviously, if you have a fight, then you go into fight camp, which is you know, and depending probably eight to twelve weeks or so. But outside of of fight camp, do you still train at you know in in, in that specific gym in TriStar, or do you just go around, or how does the training uh, regime work? I think I would be in uh, in Montreal training at TriStar. Uh, again, it's my you know first time uh, moving to Montreal, so I'm not sure how my schedule would be. But normally, if I'm not in fight camp, I'm training about once once a day, every day at least, and focusing on creating content. Do you put? Do you run as well? I will run months before a fight. Uh, so yeah, like if I'm not in fight camp, I'll run just to build that aerobic system, build up the legs. But then when I'm in fight camp, I focus on all high intensity, like sprints only. What do you think about, I remember, um, what's the guy's name? Joseph, uh, Valtellini. Valtellini if I'm mistaken. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So he said he's, he never runs. He doesn't run. Yeah. And, what do you think of that? Um, he actually has the same approach as Faraz. Faraz doesn't, he doesn't, uh, run. He just does like high intensity uh, exercises. Uh, same with Joyce and Pierre. But for me, I, I I found that running, low intensity running really helps with my cardio. Um, I learned that or the reason why the ties all do slow, long, uh, low intensity runs is because it develops aerobic system. And um, the stronger aerobic system you have, the more your anaerobic systems recover after your 10 second sprint or your one minute of high intensity action. Uh, so for me, a big game changer with my cardio was uh, doing long runs. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking for someone to to tell me not to run. I just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just hate running. I mean, I know it's good. I know it's good. But I, I remember in town that as well, like we would, you know, I'd get a knock on the door around 7.30 a.m. Uh-huh. Right, it's time to go running and, and you go run for whatever it was, five miles or something. And like I said, we would run through the market into the park uh-huh. and then you know, a few laps in this huge park. But I remember when, when, when I think it was around 9 a.m. or something or, or 8 30, every, I like, I would run and then I would see everyone stop <laughs> and just completely like stop to a whole. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Why is everyone stopping? You know, it was just like, one, it was so weird. Uh-huh. And, uh, they would, you know, because I guess they would have some, some song coming on, on the, on the, on the radios across the city, uh, as, as sort of a hail to the king type of thing. Okay. So everyone kind of has to stop and, um, you know, honor him for about a minute or so. And for me, it's so difficult when I run to stop and then uh-huh. to continue running. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, never, know, I never had that happen to me. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was, I don't know if it's, you know, I'm assuming it's not all over, but it's definitely in certain parks. Like, uh, you know, I saw it in a, in a couple of parks that I went to. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah. So initially... I, you know, I stopped and then after a while where I, I felt like this is just fucking up my, my, my run. I just, uh, I, I just kept running. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah, town's a fun place. I'd love to go back. Yeah. It's definitely a destination that I'm going to keep returning to. Yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, it's, you know, it's what, um, England or, or Spain is to soccer or what uh, the 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 NFL or, or NBA here in the U.S. It's like Muay Thai is just 
it's part of the fabric of, of Thailand. It's just, it's intrinsic to who they are. Yeah, exactly. National sport. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you so much, man, for coming on. Uh, you've been a, you've been a true sport and, uh, Everyone, check out MMA Shredded website, uh, YouTube, um, Instagram. Yes. Uh, if there's if there's other places or things that you want to tell people, uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, no, that would be it. YouTube, uh, YouTube and Instagram primarily. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. It was fun first podcast. Yeah, man. I'm glad you had fun. I had a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we'll do it uh, in the future when you hit a when you hit a million subscribers. That'd be awesome. <laughs>